podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to episode 355 of the Anfield Index podcast. Podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny. I'm joined for tonight's episode by Guy Drinkle and Lisa Marie Hanahan. And we're going to have a little bit of a chat about some specifically recent stuff that's come out, managerial quotes and the like. And we're going to have a general Liverpool chat. And don't worry, we won't get into any deep match analysis because that's very depressing stuff, which we've already done on our various shows. Uh, and uh, nobody wants to relive that. So we'll have a very generalized discussion, but based on the specifics of some quotes and some stories that we've seen in the newspapers. And that's where we're going to take the show today. We won't have our usual sort of introductory bits from everyone today because we're kind of anxious to get into the conversation part. But I will begin by just saying hello to uh my two colleagues of such lethal cunning, as Chris would say, over at Empire. And the first uh, of them that I want to speak to is Lisa Marie Hanahan, who managed to come to Ireland and go back to America without even saying hello to me. It was very rude, I thought, Lisa Marie. Really? Really? That's how you're going to approach that? <laughs> yeah. An absolute disaster happened uh, for the... Say the, the, the benefit of, of, of listeners who haven't clue, at least for me, was over this part of the world and actually made every effort to try and um, um, meet up and say hello and have a cup of tea or a pint or something. But unfortunately, um, as is often the case uh, over here in Downey Towers, the uh, family situation was very difficult indeed. Uh, and there was a bit of drama going on, uh, which kept me very occupied indeed, uh, many days after Lisa Marie had gone home. Uh, but thankfully it's calmed down just in time for us to podcast together again. Did you enjoy your little trip anyway, Lisa Marie? We had a fantastic trip. And, and as I was saying to you and Dave Hendrick and Al O'Donoghue the whole time, I don't know what y'all are on about about the weather because it was the time I was there. I mean, honestly, yeah. it barely rained. The sun was out, as anyone could see from the pictures I posted on Instagram. I mean, sunshine days. So I'm glad I didn't listen to Now, I know it was very atypical for that time of year, but that's okay. I think Ireland did that just for me since I was I there. I think it did. It, and wasn't going to be it. able to see you. So it had yeah. to make up somehow by making the weather absolutely beautiful. Um so yeah, no, we we did. We had a we had a very nice trip. We were down in Waterford, um, kind of used that as a base for a couple days, and did little day trips over to Ardmore and Wexford, and you know all the things, and then came up spent the last couple days um, in the Dublin area. So we did. We had a very nice trip, and are of course already plotting when we can return. Really? Okay, that's very interesting. I, I thought you might be all Ireland out at this stage. Nope, nope. We still haven't. Okay, we have not gone from like Galway up to Donegal or Sligo. We've never done that like northwest part of the country. So, yeah, yeah that's on the list. That's left. You, ha you have the whole um, Banshees of Inishirin landscape. Yes. Oh, yeah, ahead. exactly. Yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, and I, I, for the record as well, I've been staring hard at uh, that landscape. I don't know, was it something in the film as well as the recent just, oh, my God, will this drama never end? I would just love to decamp to that side of the country. Of course, it's not as simple as that. Uh, but, you know, uh, let's just put it this way. I've been on um, – uh, my home and daft.ie, which are the local, which are the Irish, uh, uh, property websites a lot looking at little, uh, <laughs> cottages 
staring out by the water. Yes. Yeah, yeah, staring out uh, 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 with with great uh, sadness at the Atlantic. I think that'd be I'd be in my element. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we, we, we may well come back to to the Ireland uh, uh, holiday later on, Lisa Marie, because I do have a couple of whiskey related questions for you oh, uh, that yeah. we may come back to at the end. But I'm also joined tonight by Guy Drinkle, and it's uh, great to have Guy uh, on with us this evening. Um, it feels like a while, certainly since the three of us did a thing together. Um, now, I know you've been ridiculously busy as per. Uh, how are you getting on with this uh, relentless podcast schedule and listening every day to how things are going terribly wrong? <laughs> I've heard Dave speak about the Real Madrid game every day, and it's... Uh... <laughs> It's a great reminder of that day and how shit As that I've been was. listening to his podcast, yes. He, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's not over that. No, he's not the only one. No, he's not. He reminds me, to be honest, but I don't want to talk about that. Um, yeah. eh, God, but we'll probably talk about some of the themes that lead on to the, the next few games. But no, I'm good other than that. I've, F1 is back. So, well, nearly back, so I have something else to watch sport-wise, because I don't do many other sports, so I've got that, my little Tory um, cheeky secret, whatever the hell the word is. Um, <laughs> guilty pleasure is the word. Cheeky secret, guilty pleasure to cheeky I, 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 I like cheeky secret. Cheeky yeah, secret, I'm going to... Cheeky secret is absolutely the title of the show, I'm writing yeah, that down. Now. absolutely. <laughs> And guilty pleasure of F1, so there we go, that's nearly back. Um, and then can, I can, can, can I ask yeah. you an F1 related question, Guy? Because mm-hmm. I'm just speaking purely as someone who just knows the name Murray Walker and uh, yes. I, I, Nigel Mansell, and obviously I know Lewis Hamilton, and I know the names of all the drivers and the teams and stuff like that, but I've never sat down and watched it. It doesn't, it doesn't do it for me at all, even though I'm a bit of a car nut. I, I, that doesn't do it for me. What, what, what is the, what is the excitement there? Because I see there's an entire Sky channel uh, devoted to it. So is it the actual race itself you watch, or do you enjoy all the build-up and all that and chat about, you know, using the correct tires in the practice rounds and all that kind of stuff? None of that shit. No, none of that shit. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I, just, I, like, I like some of the technical stuff. Like, I don't like cricket, for instance, but my people in my family, or in my household, used to when my brother lived here. I liked the, say, the coverage of, um, cricket because it was really technical and someone who understands cricket because it's fucking hitting a ball with a bat. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. like I, I like stuff like that. It's kind of the same with F1. I obviously like I like the races. I think the best way to watch F1 it's difficult because F1 is either amazing or the dullest thing in existence. And there's yeah. very that's it's a hard sell to people. And I can see if you get a bad experience with F1, you'll never want to watch it again. So that's probably the thing with it. Fortunately for me, or maybe unfortunately if you don't like F1, I grew up with it because my dad liked it. I grew up when Michael Schumacher was not in his, well, in his peak Ferrari days. So I have an infatuation with Ferrari and stuff like that because of that and Michael Schumacher and stuff like that. Um, but the last decade or so has probably not been the best of it because it's been dominated by, well, Hamilton. Um, and Red Bull recent years. Um, so yeah, it's, it's always a tough sell, but if you actually do try to get into it, that, the reason I was looking up F1, I'm sure you've heard of the Netflix series Drive to Survive. Yes, yes. That is basically, uh, made to try and tap into the American audience, because I think that's the struggle for F1, because obviously they have NASCAR and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we're all about the NASCAR. Yeah. <laughs> do you think it could, might, it might act as a gateway? Yeah, if I was to watch that, that. I think it'd help. Is it good? Like, yeah. Because yeah. I, I was late to that. I probably watched, I obviously watched F1 as a sport as well, but I went back and watched like earlier seasons of Drive to Survive. Obviously, it helps me knowing all the drivers and stuff still, but it just makes it more interesting and it makes some. Um, I think it's an issue with all sports people. Everyone just seems like a cold zombie at times, don't they? But I think it's like this and it's done really well makes them almost human. Almost human. Um, yeah, 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 but it, it helps with that and makes them characters rather than just cargo burr. You know what I mean? Um, so I, 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 I think it does help, but it certainly works. Cause I, mean, I think there's two there's two American races now and I think they're adding a third next year, if I'm right in saying that. So it's clearly, oh, okay. it's clearly so, worked, so, yeah. yeah. 
Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Clearly were. Wow. Okay, I imagine that's a huge market for them too. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I, I think I may well give that a try, but we'll come back later on at the end of the show. We're going to have a, gen- a little uh, general chit-chat about a few different topics that are non-football related, but let's dive into the footy chat. And I want you to relate or react to a couple of things here. Um, they're all words spoken by the manager, so um, in, in that regard, uh it's not like we're anything here that I'm making up and it's very interesting. There was, there was a, a, a press conference today and Dave will have covered this on his show. And he was basically asked was Kloppo about what he thinks needs to happen in the summer and whether this season has changed any future planning. Now, no doubt, and we're going to come back to this, so don't don't worry, I'm not forgetting. We're going to come back to the way the summer is being presented by the usual suspect journalists in the press. And we're going to have a little chat about that because I'm finding that a source of continual pessimism for me. Um, but it's very interesting to just listen to what he said. So if you'll indulge me, we're just going to go and I'm going to read some of this stuff. Um, so what has it changed the, the, the future planning for the summer? He says, not quote, not so much. We are all influenced by things recently, but we are not that dumb. It's not like today was not that good. And now we have to change. So that is clear. It was always clear. This team has wonderful history. The way this club is led by not splashing the money or whatever, just have a look. Just have a look if it works out or not. Uh, our transfers always have to be on point. That makes it really tricky. We cannot make four transfers before we know who will leave the club and stuff like that. Last year, I said it a couple of times. I can remember how I can't remember how often I, I can say it. Um, I think he means there. I don't know how many times I have to say it continues. I knew it would be tricky and that was one of the main reasons why I signed a new contract to make sure okay come on um, people not on top of all that have to discuss then uh, and he's quoting here yeah and then he leaves next year uh, and not because I am that great just because imagine that same situation with another coach everyone would have said bring Klopp back it's good we don't have that some of them want me out it's fine I can understand that as well but it's not about that it's just about the club and stability and what we can get in now a little bit rambling there from Kloppo but stick with me because this next paragraph is the one that I really want to focus on specifically one angle he approaches it from last year now it was not a season for a big change we played until the last moment and if you want to change again this club we cannot just bring in new players and realize then later that nobody wants to leave it doesn't work it doesn't work like that so that's why it's not possible to start it early because we had final after final after final played the season until the last game played the champions league final then we had a short break then we have a lot of injuries and then the world cup all the problems we knew we would have, this came on top. And now we are in it. I know it's too long. And for me, it's too long because I have to face you in the press conference. Believe me, I don't like to talk about it all the time, but I have to think it all the time. Now, that's basically, uh, and he goes on to talk about trying the best and fighting with what we have. I wanted to frame it up with, with those words from the manager because I think an awful lot of people were very um, enthused and found it for a, a very positive press 
conference today in which he's just saying, look, this is how it is and reassuring people that we're doing things the right way or at least we're doing things the way that we have to do them. Now, uh, I'll just start with you on this guy because uh, the negative thing that people focused on in that little quotation was the concept of um, the idea that nobody wants to leave, right? And people are seeing that as a sign of sort of disorganization or weakness or whatever. How, you know, that, that seems a little bit silly. I think it might be reaching to try and find something to give out about. But I can also see how people might be just a little bit kind of eye rolling at the concept that, oh, we couldn't possibly have done anything because we were all so busy. And there's a logic to what, there's a clear logic to what the manager's saying, but also that you can see how people could make the opposite point and the opposite case and say, well, why should that impair preparation in any way, shape or form? Um, and why weren't there funds available and why weren't there specific targets ready to go regardless? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me when I think it through. But when Kloppo was saying it, because he's really good at this, he's really persuasive, it seemed to make sense to me in the moment. The more I, I sat with it, it didn't so much. Now, I have a little clip to play later on, which will maybe run counter to this. But what was your takeaway from from the things that he was saying there, there today in terms of a rationale for why we are where we are? <laughs> I think some of it makes sense. I think... Um, the stuff about preparation being short, that's just simply a fact. I've, and obviously, we played till June, didn't we? Or certainly to the end of May with, with the Champions League. And the season started earlier because of the World Cup. That's a fact. Um, I don't think it excuses the fact we didn't make signings. I mean, the plan was make signings. We were all but very close to signing Chouameni if Mbappe went to Real Madrid, for instance. We would have bought a midfielder. So that's a shit excuse in my opinion um, it, but in terms of like I, I know you're going to bring on the, the journalist coverage and stuff like that later on it's certainly now getting labelled as a season of transition but we're not doing anything mm. different we're just shit there's no, there's no tactical changes there's very limited personnel changes and a few of them are forced because of the poor form of, say, uh, of, of some of the experienced heads I Stefan Bastic, he wouldn't be playing if Fabinho, Henderson and um, Cole were up to par. But, uh, he, he's the only new one in midfield. Darwin's obviously, uh, Darwin and Gakpo, now I always forget about Gakpo. You can say the attack's changing, but the, the attack's the one bloody positive at the minute, so it's not really helping his argument. <laughs> um, but it, it's, yeah. it's yeah. a strange run. But in terms of players leaving, I mean, have we tried making them leave? Why are we the only football team? <laughs> this is yeah. <laughs> are we the only football team who can't make people leave. So you're telling yeah. me we couldn't get Naby Keita to leave to the Bundesliga, where I'm sure everyone in the top half of the Bundesliga will take him. Oxley Chamberlain has mm. a West Ham t- tattooed on his forehead for about four years now. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, who else? Or Bournemouth. Can? Bournemouth, absolutely. Any South Coast club will do. Brighton, obviously. Uh, who else could leave? Adrian could bugger off. Let's be honest. Not as not as a negative one like these other, but Kelleher we could get money for and let him get on with his career as a first choice somewhere. Um, yep. Who else we got? Milner we could let go, obviously, but it, that was probably a clock decision. Uh, b- 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 Jones we've been kind of keeping well, we his career on, on hold as well. Sorry, you you, you go through. Yeah, well, we 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 know the 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 stories. Uh, about Bobby and Jim Milner and the Klopp loyalty thing is a big is a big part of this equation as well, mm-hmm. and it, it it it's it's fudging a bit on his part to not talk about to talk about fellas not wanting to leave when you know <laughs> Jurgen's there basically saying our lads don't go, you know, <laughs> so there's there is uh, there is that to it as well, like. I feel a little bit sorry for him, guy. I just, if you, if you, if you just tell me what you think about this before I go to Lisa Marie on, on this same topic. I feel a little bit sorry for him because it, it, forget the whole loyalty thing. He's talking about the history of the team and the success that they've had. And it must be very, very difficult to let go of guys that you've formed these bonds with. It must be. I mean, there's no two ways about that. that that's got to mm-hmm. be a difficult thing. So I do have an, a, a, a real uh, uh, amount of empathy there. Um, but also, 
isn't that absolutely part of the process, the ruthlessness that's required to? I think it certainly is nowadays, but managers do man- managers don't do rebuilds anymore, do they? Nobody's around long enough to do rebuilds, so it's probably yeah. a rarity yeah. skill. Like, who was the last longest-serving manager who stayed about for a rebuild? Probably Wenger or Fergie, and Wenger didn't rebuild well. <laughs> so, you know, Fergie's probably the last one who did it well. Obviously, you can come in and rebuild as a new manager in a new place, and Klopp's obviously... Um, the best example of that, I'd say, of especially with not like a country being their owner, you can just spend what you want on fullback, hello Pep. Um, it's it, it is a tough one because let let's use Joel Matt. He was Klopp's first signing. Like he's been on this whole journey, uh, and obviously. As fans, we all love Jill Matip because he is a walking embodiment of a meme, and it's amazing. Um, but <clears throat> it's just you watch some like him play, and it's like I think it's time, like proper Mufasa voice. My time has come, etc. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just, but if you're Klopp, you've worked with him every day for six, seven years now. Six years. Um, it's. It must be tough, but as you say, that that is a skill of a of a manager in any regard, uh, not just a football manager. Obviously, football it might be different because you probably have more of a personal relationship than an everyday manager of like a McDonald's or an office or whatever. Um, it's it, it's strange, but he, he he said it himself. He signed up for it. He signed up knowing what the process would be. And if it was another manager doing this rebuild, the clamours for Klopp would eventually come if if we weren't winning the league or competing up there at all. Um, so he 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 knew what he signed up for. Um, he knew it was going to be a rebuild. He'd have to start saying goodbye to not just these players, some of his mates. Um, and if he can't do that, maybe signing up was a mistake. Um, but only time will tell, I suppose. But I thought it should have started in the summer. The last summer, but it seems like Klopp thinks it'll, the starting point is the summer coming. So only time will tell in this regard, I suppose. But it's an, ultimately, it's another wasted season because we wasted 2021. That should have been a league title in this season with Arsenal being the competitor. If we got the summer right, this feels like another wasted summer, uh, wasted season. Especially if we don't get top four, then it's a disaster of a season. Yeah, I couldn't put it better myself. Wasted the season is exactly what it feels like. It just feels like a lot of potential has just gone. Um, a lot of potential to, um, do the, begin that rebuild that, 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 as you say, for some reason is now just, uh, being pushed off into the future. And, and Lisa Marie, let's, let's, let's get your take on this as well. I mean, there's a lot there, so I don't want you, uh, to feel like we're going all over the place. So if you could maybe start with your, your take on, I think you saw, I saw parts of this. I think you, saw or heard um, some of it and, and listened to, to Dave talking about some of it. Um, but in terms of that ability that Clapo has to, like when you're in the moment, listen to him, you're going, yes, you're going, yes. <laughs> I just completely, I was completely won over. Uh, um, and, and it seemed to make perfect logical sense to me until I, I walked away and went, hang on a minute. So uh, I was, I wonder how, how it sat with you in terms of, uh, a rationale again the same questions i put as i put to guide start in terms of a rationale for why we are underperforming and maybe throw it we should throw in as well that he did say that injuries have been a massive massive factor this season too hello i'm here to annoy you i'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on epl index We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. 
So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. So we've, we've talked before that, you know, this is probably undoubtedly one of Klopp's strengths is, is how he can talk to the media and it sounds like he's saying something, but then you walk away and you think about it and well, he's really not, you know, he, he hasn't, he hasn't said a whole lot. I mean, we've, we've discussed that on the show in the past and it's, it's true. It's kind of like having an argument with somebody and you always think of all the good things afterwards that you should have said. And, you know, it's kind of, you go, you know, you, he, as you said, he, you know, you're like, okay, yeah. And then the more you kind of unpack it and you think about it, you're like, he didn't really say anything. He, he, he really, he just, but the way he kind of presents and answers the questions when he's in the proper frame of mind, it sounds like he's giving, you know, this very insightful, informative answer and, and he's not necessarily. So, um, you know, bless him for it. Cause that's a gift. Um, it <laughs> there, is. there are a few other people who, you know, who could probably, you know, utilize that gift. Um, so yeah, it, it's frustrating, but in, I mean, I guess ultimately I do kind of get, you know, it's, it's a catch 22. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a no-win situation. If he were very forthcoming and giving all these, you know, answers and insights, then there'd be criticism on that too. You know, well, why is he telling everybody what we're going to do? They're, you know, he's just handing our plan to the, you know, to the opposition. So, oh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, you know, Klopp's loyalty, and I think Dave Hendrick is probably the one I've heard say this, is, is his loyalty is one of his greatest strengths, but it's also one of his greatest weaknesses. You know, I mean, you know, there is something to be said for how he, you know, doesn't give up on players too soon and allows them, you know, the time to develop or grow into a position. And, you know, that's that's been very successful for us overall. But now we're seeing the flip side of that to where it's time to say goodbye. And I was really thinking about this earlier in the week. And I don't remember if I was reading something or listening to something, but it was just kind of this you know, the list of players whose contracts are going to be out, you know, they're going to be out of contract at the end of the season. We're likely going to see them go. And I'm like, why do we have so many players that we're allowing their, you know, their contracts to run down where we, you know, we don't sell them and get something, you know, you know, even 10 million is better than zero. I mean, I'm no accounting wizard, but I know that. So that's kind of one of my frustrations right now is, you know, not, and I mean, and it's funny because it's very much a flip for me because two or so years ago when we started talking about people maybe leaving, I was like, no, I don't want them to go. I like, I like our little Liverpool family. I don't want to see them leave. And it's, it's funny how I've become a little more ruthless as I've gotten older. So <laughs> <laughs> old age is making me mean. Um, so yeah, but, but I get it from, the loyalty standpoint, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I've, we've discussed before, I mean, I've worked for a company for a lot, a lot of years and I've seen, I mean, and I have one coworker that I've worked with for 18 years and if she left the company to, you know, to go somewhere else, I would be devastated just because, you know, it would be like a part of my history, you know, walking away too. So, so, I mean, ultimately I understand it, but, you know, this is, ultimately a business and sometimes not sometimes the hard decisions have to be made and you know it's back to the wall time kind of for us and we need to make these difficult decisions if we're going to get back to the success that we were enjoying in the last few seasons yeah i wonder if there is uh, a version of this season in some parallel universe where um, the, the, the risks taken actually, actually yeah 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 where, where, where the risks taken actually worked out reasonably well and the midfield uh, guys managed to keep together a decent enough unit and we actually managed to you know, use the Henton Tiago fab platform and there wasn't that falling off, terrible falling off of form and two of them and Tiago stayed fit and if and if and if and Diaz didn't get injured and Jota didn't get injured and, you know, I, 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 again, I, I suppose I can see some, part of me can see where the, where the, the, if it was a deliberate move to take a risk, 
to not do it. But it, it was a super big risk. It's you a, really think it, about it. it. Must, I mean, must. there's there's something we said for risks. I mean, you know, no nothing in life is you know is without it, obviously. But but the more I think about it, and, and the more it's just kind of laid out for me, it's like it was a massive risk. And especially, you know, if you if you go back and you pull FSG into this and, and I don't want to get, you know, too deep into that pool, but you know, these are supposedly businessmen, you know, this ultimately we know is a business for them. Could they not see the risks, you know, from a from a business standpoint? And anyway, I, th- I think I, th- I think that's a very interesting point because I've seen it s- somewhere uh, play somewhere. If if FSG are hanging around now, it's just going to be a partial investment that they get in to raise some funds. Uh, then they don't want to see the value of their investment, which they've uh, studiously been watching uh, build and build and build, uh, go down by uh, you know the under investment in the team and 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 performance is falling away and under achievement. So you'd like to think that there is at least a motivation there uh, for the summer, but we're going to come to that in a second. I want you to react to this little clip from Jurgen now because this I found incredibly convincing and uh, nice. And honest as well. Um, this is uh, Jurgen again on the general overall situation. I think it's very good. This is, I think, an interview with Sky. Well, but you cannot judge a squad without looking at the circumstances. So if the last year wouldn't have been that long, if the last seasons wouldn't have been that successful, all these kind of things, there would have been more changes. That's completely normal. But because we were very successful, especially last year, um, with a very short summer after, it's not a summer for for a big overhaul. But again, it was always clear that after a long time that there will be some struggles. Let me say like this, that it's not only going in one direction. So these kind of things are clear. And I knew that, that that can happen. And you know, never know 100,000% um, the moment, but it was pretty likely that this year could be a bit bumpy because of different reasons. And on top of that, the World Cup in between and stuff like this. But our main issue were the injuries, um, to be honest. That was the problem. And then you don't get momentum in a season and uh, you always have to fight against something and um, fight back and these kind of things with players who come back from injuries are we have now again. So we have now Virgil van Dijk coming back from a long injury uh, and people start now talking about his quality. It's, <laughs> it's really funny. Um, but um, and all the others have to have similar problems. So a lot of the players have similar problems. And that's the thing. But that we need changes, be new um, and yeah, this summer is obviously a summer uh, where we have to do something clear. A few weeks ago in a press conference, you were asked about your time at Mines in Dortmund, where you also went through tough times there as well. So how do they compare to now? It's, it's, it's really it's really different. I was worked in Germany for 25 years in professional football, and I thought to do something else as well with the, 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 the city, which was not great. Yes, there are some similarities, but it's not. So what we had as well, a, a team who grew together, and there was a moment when she needed. I wanted to do something else. So I don't want else, and now we had a very successful... Okay, I'm not sure what's happened there, but it started to break down at the end. Guy, just your immediate take on that, because it's pretty much rehashing the same ideas again. Um, and it's very much saying, again, we... We knew what we needed to do. We knew we were going to have issues, it, but it just wasn't the summer to make changes. And again, it's just that blanket statement. And because Jurgen says it in his very convincing way, you just go, okay, yeah, it wasn't the summer to make changes. And then you go away and go, like I say, you have this sort of double take moment. You go, why wasn't it the summer to make changes? Did, did, did that, listening to the man himself say those things in a slightly different way this time, did you find that any more convincing in terms of uh, a justification for us not having uh, added to the squad over the summer? No, not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> not really. We're, I'm the one sat, we're the ones sat here podcasting about a mid-table Premier League team and we thought we were going to win the league. Um yes. Yeah. Obviously, he, he'll he feel it as much as us, and more so because he bloody works there, obviously, and it, he is responsible for it, but uh, it's just... How do you word this? It's just a sense of shit excuse. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, oh, the season's gone to shit. Well, we thought the season was going to be shit, so it's fine. No, you didn't. The aim was to win the fucking league. Hmm. Of course it was. 
we nearly did the quadruple that everyone loves saying that fucking why we burnt out last season. Does it, you don't go from quadruple to being happy about mid-table. Or you don't go from doing the quadruple to be happy about competing for top four. We aren't even competing for top four. Like, maybe it wasn't the right season to do a transition. But buying a couple of players isn't transition. That's just upkeep of a football team. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just a transition to me, unless the word seems to have been watered down. It's a complete changing of system, of players, of type of football you're playing, of manager, of staff. A transition isn't getting a going from Bobby Firmino, who's not been a regular for two seasons now, and bringing in Darwin Nunes. That's not a transition. That's a tweak. We can't we can't bin off a season for a fucking tweak, can we? That's just dumb. So if it wasn't the season for it, it means we've wasted this season. And by the sounds of it, the transition season doesn't start till next year, which then will be the excuse for next season if we don't win the league. So we're going to bin off two seasons if if next season doesn't go well, because we have no clue what we're going to do in the summer. We don't know if FSG will bring, put, money in the, uh, put their hands in the pocket. Probably won't, let's be honest. Um, we don't know what the squad will look like. We don't know who will go. We don't know who will keep. But if we're in a, if we're, say, this time next season, next next this time next season, and we're fifth in a top four battle, are we going to say, oh, it was due to the chances transition this year? It's just going to be another shit excuse. So just going to keep coming up with shit excuses till we're trying to win the league again, which will probably become more and more difficult because Man United print money, so it doesn't matter who their owner will be, they'll outspend us. Newcastle are owned by trillionaires, so they'll spend more money than us. Man City will still spend more money on us, even though they have a threat of relegation coming their way, which will turn into a ten grand fine. Um, <laughs> who Sorry. else spends more money than us? Brighton. Um, <laughs> so you know, <laughs> it's, it's just because it's becoming more and more excuses. I mean, like I always go back to that. That twenty twenty one was when I fell out of faith with FSG. That league was in our hands, and we gave Klopp, Kabak, and Ben Davies. Yep, that's when I that's when I lost trust with FSG. They did not care about winning; they cared about profit margins and fucking shit like that. As a fan, I don't give a fuck unless the club is about to go out of business and you're spending like a doyle. I don't give a shit about a spreadsheet of financial stuff. That's for more chapter to do. If we're signing, let's go back to that. Go back to that, Jen. If we spent thirty million in that summer and won the league, we would have made more money. Now that is very basic, but spending money there gets us more money. I don't understand. No. Now back in the summer, we weren't all clamouring for Jude. Then obviously Jude was the main target after two many. We weren't all wanting a hundred twenty million pound midfielder. We wanted a forty million pound midfielder. It's not putting the club at any risk whatsoever. Unless, I, I don't understand. And if a £40 million signing doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. Maybe it'll limit us a smidge. Look at Naby Keita. Naby Keita costs 50-odd mil. He's, he's not been shit by any means. He's obviously not been the player we all wanted. It can still be useful. He's not going to mean he's going to turn into, I don't bloody know, Mark Noble or something like that. Mm. If we've done our due diligence, it's going to be a useful player at the bare minimum. Maybe it'll turn into a magical player, but unless we have gone completely to shit, a risky, not even a risky sign, just a signing that isn't maybe plan A, B or C, it, it doesn't mean our whole fucking season has to go on hold for it. It just sounds like a shit excuse to me, Trev. And so, in the context of that, the other area I wanted to look at, just briefly at least, is the way in which the summer's being spoken about by the journalists who seem to get the stories. Um, there was some sort of Ornstein version of this, but there's a tweet here, Lisa Marie, from The Athletic today, in which they're basically summarizing James Pierce's article. Um, the recently much scolded James Pierce, who seems to be back messaging um, in some way, this purely sounds like the type of conditioning, the type of, um, um, what do you call it, 
managing of expectations uh, <laughs> that, that we've been used to in the past through the press. And they summarized Pierce's article in the following way in their tweet. It is misguided to suggest Liverpool need a huge summer overhaul. Now, immediately they've lost half the people in a blind rage. I know when I read it, I, I, I was all I could do to keep, you know, my, the eyes from rolling into the back of my head. And they continue, this is already a squad transition, which just needs a few carefully picked additions. And besides, vast spending sprees rarely work. Just look at Chelsea. Yeah, just look at Chelsea next season. They'll probably be fucking amazing when they get some sort of balance with all these wonderful footballers that they have. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird one. There's that transition word again. Um, it, do you, do you see where I'm going with the concept of, of our, are our expectations already being managed? You saw the, uh, the, the orange scene one I was talking about uh, had to do with Champions League qualification and how unless it is attained, it will severely hamper or limit summer funds. Nobody wants to hear this, Lisa Marie. Nobody wants to hear this. Everyone wants to hear it doesn't matter what happens or where we finish because let's do this rebuild thing and let's invest in this team. That's what people want to hear. Now, I found myself thinking today, oh, Christ, are we going to have to sell Mo Salah to buy in a few fo- uh, new footballers that are of, of a high quality? Uh, that's what I fear. That's what, what I fear is, is, is the ultimate plan here, you know? Uh, what's your take on the way the, the, the messaging is going on in the press? It does seem like that to me, at least. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. I I agree with you. I mean, it, it does feel like they're starting to just lay the groundwork, you know, even if it's just sort of subconsciously that, you know, so that they can say if we don't make top four and therefore don't, you know, have Champions League next season that, well, you know, the money's just not there because we're not going to be in the Champions League. You know, we're not, we're not going to get this, you know, Champions League funds to, and so, you know, and just, you know, no, it, no, I, no, fuck that. Um, see, mm. y'all made me curse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen often. Um, it is. It's very frustrating. And, and I've, my head has gone to the exact same place that, that yours has, Trev, in the last, you know, couple of weeks. As, you know, I feel, you know, as, as it is famous on this podcast, I tend to be pretty positive and optimistic and, and all of those things, but I'm having a harder time finding that optimism and, and that, you know, faith in things all working out just right, you know, with, without the proper management, without the proper funding, you know, all this. And I really feel that this whole wishy-washy, I mean, apparently they're not going to sell the club, but, you know, who knows if they're going to get that additional, you know, I mean, I feel like that's feeding, you know, the narrative as well. You know, well, we've been waiting for the additional backing, you know, kind of, kind of thing. I feel like that's being, you know, another thread that's being set up as an excuse for why things might not want to happen the way, you know, the fans or, or whomever want, you know, want to happen with the club. So it is, it's all just very frustrating. And it just kind of, I'm honestly just worn slap out by all of it. I'm not going to lie to you. I think it's fair enough reaction. And, 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 and guy, let me spin this 
slightly differently to you, but in the wake or in the, in the, sorry, in the, the light of those, um, various, like we said, stories that seem to be coming out just as you might expect they would, the expectation managing stories. Um, let's just bring it back and say, well, okay, but why is Jurgen so tranquil and upbeat in terms of this is the way we do things and we obviously need to make some changes this summer? Wouldn't you imagine that if he was being told behind the scenes that, you know, you've got like um, 20 quid and a, and a, and a, and a, an iTunes voucher to go and, and buy some new new players, wouldn't you think that he would be quietly livid or looking to, to make noises um, to, 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 like like you, you would see other managers doing? He's, he seems very, regardless of, of, of how the season goes, he seems very content with the way in which we operate and very confident in it. Does that lead you to worry about Jurgen or does it lead you to believe that perhaps an awful lot of this stuff that's coming out from journalists is just guff and Jurgen knows quietly that he's going to be looked after? It's, it's, it's a glass half full, half empty job really, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. He knows Hank Scorpio is going to buy the 20% of FSU because <laughs> two bazillion pounds spend, isn't he? Um, it's a strange one. Yeah, I think you are right with the glass half empty, half um, full um, analogy there because I'm, I'm, I'm a tad pessimistic about the football club at the minute, if you haven't noticed on any of the other shows. Um, I think Klopp's always been like that. He's always been relative. I think he, best way to put it, he knew what he signed up for. Like, he knew FSG weren't going to bankroll hundreds of millions of pounds every year and that would probably continue till we have new owners, which we're probably not getting anymore, um, or anytime soon at the very least. Um, so I just don't, I think we've seen, we've seen it crack a few times, haven't we, with, with Klopp? I think the end of the summer transfer window gone, he started le- leaking out little bits of frustration about how we spend money and stuff like that. And it might be uh, obviously the embargo sections at half 10. Uh, today, I think so. Maybe some other stuff will will come out um, in that time. But he does t- leak out the odd bit of frustration. But I think it's just more about the understanding. And I think that I think that you see that with fans, don't you? I think there's people obviously Twitter, Liverpool Twitter is divided by FSG in, FSG out, and then there's people in the middle like we understand it. Could it be better? Should they spend money? Yeah. Should they spend? Um, their own money, yeah. I think he's just kind of in that camp if, if just understanding it and getting on with his job. But in terms of my confidence going into the summer, Klopp can be as positive and as Klopp-like as he wants. I've just seen FSG track record. We'll spend 20 to, 20 to 30 million at a push. Net. And yeah, That's what it, it, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and do you fear as well? Like, like, like I was saying that any big purchases, say we were to go out and get two or three guys, say we were to go out and get a, a, a new Garte or a Graven Birch or a, mm-hmm. or, 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 or a decent up and comer at center half as well. Maybe get two or three like that. Maybe get one in each of the big positions, even though we obviously need four in midfield, never mind one in each of the big positions. Jan last night was saying maybe two in midfield. We probably definitely need a forward and we definitely need a centre half. And maybe that's where the four goes. And I think he's probably right with that call because the four is the magic number that keeps getting thrown out as well. Um, do, do you fear that the way in which that w- might well be uh, financed is Mo Salah's on his bike. If he does get sold, I will go into next season basically depressed and not wanting to watch the game. Um, so I, now that the idea is out there and FSG is staying, it, it definitely is a worry because we've seen the story before. We have to sell someone and we know how big this rebuild is. We've watched every shit performance this season. Mm. Um, he is Well, here's a question for you. We have three big saleable assets, Ali, Van Dyke, and more. At the minute, and this is very much a form thing, and it would obviously change if he gets back to his normal self. 
Allison's untouchable because we cannot replace him and impossible to replace him. Who would you rather sell more of Van Dyke? Jesus Christ. That is a horrible question that FSG All right, Sophie's in. choice. Stop yes. It. <laughs> It it, it 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 is the horrible and you put it right it's a hor- it's a hor- it's the horrible suggestion that FSG's track record makes us ask ourselves um i thought it was interesting that Jurgen was talking about um virgil's form and how people are questioning it and it's it's incredible and stupid and kind of crazy really and he was having a little laugh to himself and uh Again, I felt a pang of guilt because I was saying, Jesus, that guy's just not at it the way he was. And I felt bad for saying that. But then I recall the start of the season. I mean, you have Virgil's biggest fan always has been um, young Hendrick. And even Dave was saying, mm. that lad's sparing himself for the World Cup. He's got to be because he's not really at it. And now we've just talked, we're just talking about him in, in over, over the course of the season. So I think it's, it's perfectly fair to say that he's, nowhere near where he has been in the past but you could probably say that about Mo as well even though an awful lot of the stats boys will um, get savagely bent out of shape at that suggestion yeah. uh, it's, e- it's easier to forgive Mo because we've been that shit and he's yeah. dependent on people giving him the ball isn't he Yeah. whereas yeah. Van Dijk you watch him try and defend maybe it doesn't help having Joe Gomez and Matip this season with him but you watch him and it's like eh you're not the same you watch Mo and it's like why are you that wide out on the right <laughs> Yeah. So it's a bit, it's a bit an odd, like, put it, neither should be sold. And if either are sold, FSG should fuck off so far out of town, they're hitting Antarctica. So it, 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 like, it's, it's a dumb question, but it's a real question. Like, Mo will get more money because he's a forward, but neither should be sold. And if either are sold, I will be there with John O'Sullivan, at me, just me and him in Liverpool. <laughs> 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 oh, I love the idea of you leading an FSG out parade. That is fantastic. Uh, and, and it's actually probably a nice, uh, um, comically sensible, uh, point for us to, to start, start, start winding up the conversation. Um, I do want to finish this show with a couple of non Liverpool related things. Um, because this conversation that we have begun here today is going to be ongoing in various uh, ways. And hopefully, like I said to Jan on the show last night, hopefully we've actually got some more information breaking and some real things that we can talk about, like the amount of this investment, uh, the relevance of it to Liverpool. Will it be another Redbird job or will it be actually um, going into the coffers for uh, recruitment? And maybe some links will start firming up and that type of thing. And we can actually have a chat that's... um, moored in some sort of, of 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 facts and figures rather than the complete mystery that we're all living in at the moment um and to finish like i said on a sort of an upbeat note guy drinkle of course has a weekly film for us and i'm going to finish the show with you guy on that a, a recommendation my very brief recommendation at the start of this final section is i've watched on netflix recently a show called um Black Spot. I think the, the, ironically, it's Zone Blanche in French, which is the complete opposite color, but, um, it is a wonderful, uh, detective stroke semi, uh, uh, fantasy isn't the word, but horror, uh, series. It's excellent. Really, really recommend it. Um, uh, I, I knocked more crack out of that, I think, than I, I, anything I've seen on Netflix in, in ages. Um, and I've noticed that the non-American-based Netflix stuff, the stuff coming out of, I've just started in 1983, for example, which is Polish. It's absolutely wonderful. So there's a lot of good stuff coming out of various places like that. I would recommend uh, Black Spot to anyone who has uh, something that they're looking to get into. There's two seasons of it, so I think it's eight episodes each. Um, Lisa Marie, any recommendations or final thoughts from you before we go to Guy's Movie of the Week? Um, I haven't really been watching a whole lot of TV because either I've you know been traveling or been you know, doing the dance mom thing, living at dance competitions for, you know, days on end. But actually what I started watching over the weekend and it's been out, I think, well, no. So there was the Viking series on Netflix, which I have not seen, but I've been seeing the like 
I guess, sequel, if you will, which is like a hundred or so years later, which is Vikings Valhalla. And I'm kind of enjoying it because it's sort of, I think, because where I was in Ireland, down in Waterford, and the Viking Triangle. And so the the history of it is making a lot more sense to me than, than it might have previously. So, um, yeah, I'm about three episodes into the, the first season on that. And I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's 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 holding my attention, which... If something can hold my attention these days, um, then that's grand. But no, right now I am counting the days until Ted Lasso season three premieres on March 15th. Can't yeah. wait. Don't think, you're, don't think you're the only one. And I do have a final, final question for you. Oh, of, yes. all, of all the little sups that uh, passed your lips uh, <laughs> on, on, on the, on the L sod here. What was your favorite tipple? I know you did a whiskey tasting and all the rest of it. I know you brought home several samples, or at least uh, your, your 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 other half yeah, did. Mr. H enjoyed the uh, duty free shop, the <laughs> Dublin Airport. <laughs> right. So, what what would you what would you what would you recommend as your your favorite tipple that you had when you were over in these shores? Okay. Well, all right. So, really, that is more of a question for my other half because you know he's much more into this than I am. But I did enjoy um, we, one of the tours we did in Dublin was Row and Co, which is a newer distillery. I think it was founded in 2017. So now they are selling their own stuff, and um, I think it's they call it the 106. Um, but it's really good. But that tour was so fun because they taught us how to blend drinks with the whiskey too. So <laughs> had a little class. <laughs> Fun. That's that's exactly. But what I is. very much become so. I like an old fashioned. You know, I became fond of those um, a year or so ago when we went up to Kentucky and did some of the bourbon distillery tours. Um, so I've started making old fashions with various Irish whiskeys, and actually, we made one. Sean made me one the other night um, using Teeling whiskey, which I really like. Their single barrel, so or um single pot distill. So yeah. So teeling is probably my favorite, but I had tried it before this trip, but on this trip, I think the, uh, the Rowan Rowan co, um, one Oh six was, was my favorite. There you go. Get out and get your booze bought for the weekend folks. You've just heard it from the, the, um, the expert there, Lisa Marie. Thanks for that, Lisa Marie. And, uh, Guy, will you sign us off by letting us know what we should be watching this weekend? In honor of the release of Cocaine Bear today, hey. I, have an, I have another film surrounding a bear that people should watch. <clears throat> Storyline. The days of adventures and merriment have come to an end, as Christopher Robin, now a young man, has left Winnie the Pooh and Piglet to fend for themselves. As time passes, feeling angry and abandoned, the two become feral. After getting a taste of blood, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh and Piglet set off to find a new source of food. It's not long before their bloody rampage begins. Welcome to Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. Is this... Oh, I can't believe this is even real. Oh, my God. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Oh, my God. Winnie the Pooh and Feral. Those are two words I never thought I'd hear in the same oh, That is tremendous. Do you have any other details for us? Uh, it's got a four on IMDb. Um, I've got a quote for you this is from Christopher Robin Pooh, you've got to help me something's wrong with Piglet, he's killed my wife (laughs) (laughs) okay Okay, that that is officially the high point, and we need to end on that line. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Uh, I, I'm immediately going to look that up. Uh, can you can you suggest? Is it is it only available on dodgy DVDs? Or I presume so. It's a straight, it went straight to VHS in 2022. No, oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that is absolutely. I will amazing. say. For an additional Year Buzz podcast with Dave on um, Banshees of Inisherin was very, very enjoyable, Trev. Ah. Um, so much fun. And here's the thing. All right, so I started to listen to it, and then I thought, you know what? I probably need to watch the movie before I listen to this. And I've been meaning to watch it. I just anyway. So I sat down and watched it. Then I listened to the podcast. And then, like, the next night, Sean was like, you know, let's watch Banshees of Inisherin." <laughs> Okay. And I didn't tell him that I'd watched it without him because, you know, we were supposed to watch it together. So I sat down and watched it again. And because of your podcast, I got even more out of it the second go round. So 
Ah, it's great to hear. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that chat with David. It felt like it felt like it was a far more serious minded chat than the the first one we did together on um on uh, JFK. Um, but 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 at the same time, I could have talked for hours about it. Yeah, it's I I, I heartily recommend that to everybody as well because the mixed reviews I'm seeing, I can't get my head around at all. But yeah, thanks for that. That's a nice little plug to finish off. Uh, it's some uh, channel content as well. Go and have a look at that buzz or listen to that buzz if you um. If you haven't caught up with it, um, we will wrap it up there. I've gone a little bit longer than I told these guys it would go, but we're still coming in around about the hour mark for you guys, uh, just a bit under it. We'll finish up this episode here. I've been Trev Denny. You heard Guy Drinkle. You heard Lisa Marie Hanna, and this has been the Anfield Index podcast, episode number 355, and we'll be back with you a lot sooner than we were between the last one and this one. Mind yourselves. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.